chapter twenty five of the silent battle by george gibbs recording by tony oliva this librivox recording is in the public domain deep water the afternoon was passed in leisurely fashion the modern way of entertaining guests is to let them entertain themselves they loafed smoked played bottle pool and later on there was a court tennis match between young dorsey martin and the marker which drew a gallery and applause nina jaffray tried it next with bibby worthington and though she had played but once got the knack of the railroad service and succeeded in beating him handily amid derisive remarks for bibby from the nets a plunge in the pool followed after which the ladies went up for a rest before dressing for dinner gallatin saw little of nellie pennington during the afternoon and though he wanted to question her to satisfy the alarming curiosity which she had aroused she avoided speaking to him alone and when he insisted on following her about fled to her room she knew the effect of her revelations upon his mind and she didn't propose that it should be spoiled by an anti-climax the dinner hour arrived and with it the ledyards and their house-guests angela wetherill millicent reeves the perrins jane loring percy endicott coleman van dyne and some of the warrington folk dinner-tables each with six chairs had been laid in the dining-room and hall but so perfect was the machinery of the great establishment that the influx of guests made no apparent difference in its orderly procedure there were good-natured comments on bibby worthington's defeat in the afternoon congratulations for nina jaffray on her dual achievement uncomplimentary remarks about virginia clay flattering ones about virginia hospitality and the usual discussion about breeds of hounds and horses back of which was to be discovered the ancient rivalry between the cedarcroft and apawomek hunt clubs nellie pennington directed the destinies of the table at which gallatin sat nina jaffray was on his right larry kane beyond her coleman van dyne on mrs pennington's left and jane loring opposite nothing could possibly have been arranged which could conspire more thoroughly to lacerate the feelings of those assembled gallatin saw jane halt when she was directed to her seat he heard nina's titter of delight beside him caught larry kane's glare and coley van dyne's flush but the stab of jane's eyes hardened him into an immediate gaiety in which nina was not slow to follow mrs pennington having devised the situation calmly sat and proceeded to enjoy it good breeding she knew made a fair amalgam of the most heterogeneous elements but she gave a short sigh when they were all seated and each began talking rapidly to his neighbor jane to larry kane nina to phil and herself to coley pangs in every heart except her own 
it was the perfection of social cruelty and she enjoyed it hugely aware that two perhaps three of the persons at the table might never care to speak to her again but stimulated by the reflection whether for bad or good something must come out of her crucible the first shock of dismay over it was apparent that her dinner partners had decided to make the best of the situation the table was small and general conversation inevitable but she chose for the present to let matters take their course trusting to nina to provide that element of uncertainty which was to make the plot of her comedy fruitful indeed nina seemed in her element and when a sudden silence fell broke the ice with a carelessness which showed her quite oblivious of its existence so nice of you nelly to have us all together i was just saying to phil that dinners at small tables can be such a bore if the people are not all congenial charlie isn't it laughed nelly jane why weren't you hunting this morning oh coley didn't want to she said quickly her rapier flashing in two directions nelly pennington understood you are getting heavy aren't you coley she asked sweetly didn't honora have anything up to your weight i didn't ask returned van dyne peevishly dreadful bore hunting hear the man exclaimed nelly you're spoiling him jane there's no hope for any creature who doesn't like hunting put in nina in disgust except the fox said gallatin and there's not much for him when nina rides laughed larry kane lord nina but you did take some chances to-day i believe in taking chances put in miss jaffray calmly the element of uncertainty is all that makes life worth while nothing in the world is so deadly as the obvious you'll be kept busy avoiding it sighed nelly i've been oh i simply ignore it she returned with a quick gesture jane won't approve of course but the unusual the daring the unconventional are the only things that interest me at all they interest others when you do them nina jane replied smiling calmly of course they do and you ought to be grateful we are i'm sure we'd be very dull without you personally i'm a bromide heaven forbid the things that are easiest are not worth trying for whether your game is fish fowl or beast and that includes man try the most difficult the thrill of delight when you beg your game is worth all the pains of the effort isn't it nelly i don't know the other replied between oysters i begged dick but then i didn't have to try very hard i suppose i would have bagged him just the same a woman can have any man she wants you know the trouble is laughed larry kane that she doesn't know what she wants and if she does larry said gallatin slowly he's usually the wrong one nina laughed his sex must be blamed for that 
the right men are all wrong and the wrong men are all right that's my experience young saint old devil young devil old saint you couldn't provide me with a better recommendation for a good husband than a bad reputation as a bachelor and think of the calm delights of regeneration you'll have no difficulty in finding him nina said jane i'm afraid there's no hope for me laughed kane i for one am too good for any use too good to be true sniffed nina or too true to be interesting he added below his breath nellie pennington having led her companions into deep water now turned and guided them into the shoals of the commonplace jane loring's eyes and phil gallatin's had met across the table the act was unavoidable for they sat directly opposite each other and though each looked away at once the current established brief as it was was burdened with meaning gallatin read a hundred things but love was not one of them jane read a hundred things any one of which might have been love but as far as she knew was not gallatin caught the end of a gaze she had given him while he was talking to nina and he fancied it to be a kind of indignant curiosity not in the slightest degree related to the scorn of her surprise at being detected in the midst of her inspection gallatin found her face thinner which made her eyes seem larger and the shadows under them deeper he had seen fresh young beauty such as hers break and fade during one season in new york but it shocked him a little to find these marks so evident in so short a time it was as though a year two years even had been crowded into the few weeks since he had seen her last as though she had lived at high tension letting nothing escape her that could add to the sum of experience her eyes sparkled and on her cheeks was a patch of red clearly defined like rouge but not rouge for it came and went with her humor she had grown older more intense more fragile her features more clearly carved more refined and except for the hard little shadows at the corners of her lips more spiritual he glanced at the heavy bovine face of coley van dyne beside her and wondered coley had been drinking freely and his face was flushed his laugh open-mouthed and louder than nellie pennington's humor seemed to warrant how could she god how could she do it a blind rage came upon gallatin a sudden wave of intolerance and rebellion and he clenched his fists beneath the table this man drank as much as he liked and when he pleased he was the club glutton he ate immoderately and drank immoderately because he liked to do it and because that was his notion of comfort 
not as had been the case with gallatin because he had not been able to live without it van dyne could stop drinking when he liked when he had had enough when he didn't want any more he drank for the mere pleasure of drinking gallatin bit his lip and stared at his untouched wine glasses pleasure with gallatin it had been no pleasure it had been a medicine a desperate remedy for a desperate pain a poisonous medicine which cured and killed at the same time phil nina's voice sounded suddenly at his ear are you ill not in the least you haven't listened to a word i've been saying and it was so interesting he laughed what were you thinking of my sins then i don't wonder that you look so badly but it was clear that she understood him for after a short silence she spoke of other things the dinner having progressed to the salad course visiting was in order and the guests sauntered from table to table exchanging chairs and partners jane loring was one of the first to take advantage of this opportunity to escape and found a seat at honora ledyard's table between bibby worthington and percy endicott nellie pennington watched her departure calmly for she had learned what she had set out to learn all women no matter how youthful are clever at dissimulation but the art being common to all women deceives none and jane skilful though she had been in hiding her thoughts from gallatin deceived neither nellie pennington nor nina jeffrey dinner over nellie pennington followed the crowd to the gun-room the married set were already at their auction and somebody beckoned to her to make a four but she refused on this night she had a mission she wandered from group to group keeping one eye on jane and the other on phil until the music began when with one accord all but the most devoted of the bridge players returned to the hall from which the furniture had been cleared and where the polished wax surface shone invitingly mrs pennington waited until the waltz was well under way and saw jane loring circling the room safely with larry kane when she went into the library alone her thought had crystallized into a definite plan it was at the end of the third dance when jane on the arm of percy endicott was on her way to the terrace for a breath of air that bibby worthington slipped a note into her fingers she excused herself and took it to the nearest electric bulb she knew the handwriting at once it was in nina jeffrey's picturesque scrawl jane dear it ran i must see you for a moment about something which concerns you intimately meet me at twelve by the fountain in the loggia of the tennis court nina jane turned the note over and re-read it then with quick scorn tore it into tiny pieces and scattered them into the bushes the impudence of her she had given nina credit for better taste 
what right had she to intrude again in jane's private affairs when she must know how little her offices were appreciated and yet what was this she had to say something that concerned jane intimately what could that be unless coleman van dyne appeared and claimed the next dance which he begged that she would sit out jane agreed because it would give her a chance to think there was little real exertion required in talking to coley what could nina want to tell her and where did she say in the loggia of the tennis court at twelve it must be almost that now at five minutes of twelve nellie pennington handed gallatin a note from nina she whispered it's really outrageous phil the way you're flirting with that trusting child i'm sure you ought to be ashamed of yourself the tennis court was at the far end of the long house it was reached by passing first a succession of rooms which made up the main building into the conservatory by the swimming pool and loggia the loggia was a red-tiled portico enclosed in glass during the winter in the centre of which was a fountain surrounded by a circular marble bench all filched from an old etruscan villa to-night it was unlighted except by the glow from the bronze japanese lamps in the conservatory an ideal spot for a tryst so far removed from the main body of the house and so cool in winter that it was seldom used except as a promenade or as a haven by those purposely belated gallatin the scrap of paper in his fingers strolled through the deserted halls smoking thoughtfully nina jeffrey was beginning to grate just a little on his nerves he had no idea what she wanted of him and he didn't much care he only knew that it was almost time for him to make his meaning clear to her in terms which might not be misunderstood as he entered the obscurity of the loggia he saw the head and shoulders of a figure in white above the back of the stone bench you wanted to see me he said at the sound of his voice the figure rose stood poised breathless and he saw that it was not nina i jane's voice answered he stopped and the cigarette slipped from his fingers i i beg pardon i was told that that i wanted to see you she broke in scornfully no not you he replied still puzzled there has been a mistake mr gallatin i do not want to see you if you'll excuse me she made a move to go but gallatin stood in the aperture the only avenue of escape and did not move his hands were at his sides his head bent forward his eyes gazing into the pool wait he muttered as though to himself don't go yet i've uh, something to say just a word it will not take a moment will you listen i suppose i-i must she stammered i hear he began painfully 
that it's true that uh, you're going to marry mr van dyne and what if it is she flashed at him nothing except uh, that i hope you'll be happy i wish you thanks dryly when i'm ready for the good wishes of of anybody i'll ask for them at present will you let me pass please yes in a moment i thought perhaps you might be willing to tell me whether it's true the report of your engagement i can't see how that can be any interest of yours only the interest of one you once cared for and who mr gallatin i forbid it she said hurriedly would you be so unmanly as to take advantage of your position here isn't it enough that i no longer care to know you that i prefer to choose my own friends will you answer my question he repeated doggedly no you have no right to question me i'm assuming the right your memory of the past there is no past it was the dream of a silly child in another world where men were honest and women clean i've grown older mr gallatin yes but not in mercy not in compassion not in charity speak of virtue before you speak of mercy of pride before compassion of decency before charity if you can she added contemptuously you're cruel he muttered horribly so i'm wiser than i was the world has done me that service and if cruelty is the price of wisdom i'll pay it baseness meanness improbity in business or in morals no longer surprise me they're woven into the tissue of life i can abominate the conditions that cause them but they are the world and until i choose to live alone i must accept them even if i despise the men and women who practice them mr gallatin and you call this wisdom this disbelief in everything in everybody this threadbare creed of the jaded women of the world call it what you like neither your opinions nor your principles or the lack of them mean anything to me if i had known you were here i should not have come to-night i pray that we may never meet again he stood silent a long moment searching her face with his eyes she was so cold so white and wraith-like and her voice was so strange so impersonal that he was almost ready to believe that she was someone else it was the voice of a woman without a soul a calm ruthless voice which sought to wound to injure or destroy it had been on his lips to speak of the past to translate into the words the pain at his heart he had been ready to take one step forward to seize her in his arms and compel her by the might of his tenderness to return the love that he bore her if he had done so then perhaps fortune would have favored him have favored them both 
for in the hour of their greatest intolerance women are sometimes most vulnerable but he could not her words chilled him to insensibility scourged his pride and made him dumb and unyielding if that is your wish he said quietly i will do my best to respect it i'd like you to remember one thing though and that is that this meeting was not of my seeking if i've detained you it was with the hope that perhaps you might be willing to listen to the truth to learn what a dreadful mistake you have made of the horrible wrong you have done to you no sternly to nina jaffray think what you like of me he went on with sudden passion it doesn't matter you can't make a new pain sharper than the old one but you've got to do justice to her what is the use mr gallatin it's a lie that they've told a cruel lie as you'll learn some day when it will be too late to repair the wrong you've done i don't believe that it was a lie mr gallatin a lie will not persist against odds this does you've done your duty now please let me go not yet you needn't be afraid of me let me pass in a moment when you listen you must nina jaffray is blameless she would not deny such a story it would demean her to deny it as it demeans me it does demean you she broke in pitilessly as other things have demeaned you shame mr gallatin do you think i could believe the word of a man who seeks revenge for a woman's indifference who finding her invulnerable goes to the ends of his resources to attack the members of her family trying by methods known only to himself and those of his kind to hinder the success of those more diligent than himself to smirch the good name of an honest man to obtain money stop cried gallatin hoarsely and in spite of herself she obeyed for he was leaning forward toward her the long fingers of one hand trembling before him you've gone almost too far miss loring he whispered you are talking about things of which you know nothing i will not speak of that nor shall you for whatever our relations have been or are now nothing in them justifies that insult time will prove the right or the wrong of the matter between henry k loring and me as time will prove the right and the wrong to his daughter i ask nothing of her now nor ever shall not even a thought the girl i am thinking of was gentle kind sincere she looked with the eyes of compassion the far-seeing gaze of innocence unclouded by bitterness or doubt i gave her all that was best in me all that was honest all that was true and in return she gave me courage purpose resolution i loved her for herself because she was herself but more for the things she represented 
purity nobility strength which i drew from her like an inspiration it was to her that i owed the will to conquer myself the purpose to win back my self-respect i thanked god for her then and i'm thankful now but i'm more thankful that i'm no longer dependent on her jane had sunk on the bench again her head bent and a sound came from her lips but he did not hear it i do not need her now he went on quietly what she was is only a memory what she is only a regret i shall live without her i shall live without any woman for no woman could ever be to me what that memory is i love it passionately reverently madly tenderly and will be true to it as i have always been and if ever the moment comes when the woman that girl has grown to be looks into the past let her remember that love knows not doubt or bitterness that it lives upon itself is sufficient unto itself and that whatever happens is faithful until death he stopped and stepped aside i have finished miss loring now go the peremptory note startled her and she straightened and slowly rose his head was bowed but his finger pointed toward the door of the conservatory as she passed him she hesitated as though about to speak and then slowly raising her head walked past him and disappeared End of chapter twenty five